Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. I am Drew. How you doing? Hey, hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. So, for this week's episode, we figured that it's a little late, but you know what? It's okay, because we're covering Moon Knight, the Disney Plus series. So... Yeah, we uh, we gave our little uh, spiel in a previous episode. We get where we discussed the general ideas of what Moon Knight should be about, as according to us. And uh, you know, we talked what about we believe- a bunch of comics. Exactly, we talked about a bunch of comics that uh, are fundamental uh, to the idea of what Moon Knight is and what Moon Knight should be about. And uh, the show's finally come- came out, and we've had a chance to consume it and digest it and uh we're gonna regurgitate all of our thoughts here for all of you good listeners mm-hmm. and feast for upon those... our regurgitations yeah we're we're like the mother bird that chews up the worm and spits it into the mouths of her little chicklings exactly if that doesn't draw you to the podcast i don't know what will the <laughs> idea that we will literally spit in your mouth <laughs> that's right this this podcast got hot, hot, H-A-W-T, hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for any of you listeners who are interested in what we had to say about Moon Knight as a concept, as a character, as well as what we had to say about our favorite Moon Knight comics, you can check out that episode number 120. That was episode 120, so just for the record. I do have a hot take about the TV series, though, Albert. Yeah, I don't even know if I told you. Uh, I feel like you have because you've been pretty vocal about it outside of the podcast for the past week since you've seen it. But you know, maybe there's some other hot take that you're talking about. Do you do you like hate something or no other than the show? <laughs> my my hot take is I think this is the second worst MCU story. It's worse than Thor 2. Maybe slightly better than Iron Man 3. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I, like I didn't realize that you were That's how low I am on this show. Specifically talking about all well, okay, my presumption was that this was a a show that was uh, or that you were comparing it to other streaming shows or just shows, but you're you're talking about in all of the MCU altogether. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess if we're counting all the streaming shows, including the Netflix shows, I guess Iron Fist is worse because it's longer. Yeah. But, huh. yeah, I, I really wasn't high on this show at all. So, okay, it'll be up to you to uh, carry on the analysis and critical thinking portion that we try to do usually in our podcast. Yeah. Because all I have is hate. <laughs> <laughs> it's what keeps me warm at night. It's what fills my belly. It's uh it powers it's, my jetpack. It powers my jetpack. It gives me warm thoughts on cold nights. <laughs> uh okay, okay. Well, I mean, I, it's it's good that you led with that so that our listeners uh know walking into this what to expect. Uh or they've just automatically tuned out. Uh Okay, I mean that's that's a thing that can definitely happen. I I acknowledge that. Yeah. But 
I'm hoping that our good listeners will stick to it and, uh, you know, listen to what we have to say. If, if this is, you know, an entire episode of just us ragging on it, then I hope that they get enjoyment out of our <laughs> ragging. <laughs> I, I don't think that's too much to ask. Basically, what I'm saying is I don't really care what you think of our ideas as long as you listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just give us the play and give yeah, us the exactly. Star rating. Like, share, and subscribe. It's, it's pretty much how I view my interactions with people in real life, which is I don't really care if you care what I'm thinking or saying as long as you sit there and have to swallow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That That's why if you're the mother bird, it really doesn't matter how bad the worm is or if it's rotten or disgusting. You're just going to spit it into the mouths of your little chicks. So exactly. they have no exactly. choice but to <laughs> consume it. Yeah. I mean, as many people who know me in person, that's that's basically every interaction is just me going, just shove it down your mouth. <laughs> just shove it. Just, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, Do you have any spoiler-free impressions, Albert? gosh or do you do you have a hot take uh i don't have a hot take in the sense that well i don't even know like i i I presume that when someone says a hot take the the implication of that is that the show is popular or that it's beloved well a hot take is when you just say something or make some kind of claim uh, in response to something else. And you know what you're saying is provocative. But that's the thing, right? The implication of it being provocative means that general, the general opinion of it is favorable or at least strongly in one direction, right? It, it, It could be favorable or it could be unfavorable like mine was. The, the main thing is that, you're making a really strong incendiary statement. statement. You're making an incendiary statement one way or the other, and you're not okay. backing it up with any facts or reasoning or logic. You're just making a statement yeah. uh, to draw attention. You, yeah, you just dug deep into your loins exactly. of hate and just pulled out like mm-hmm. this rage baby that yeah, you're going exactly. to show to so, the world. Exactly. So, so yeah. people are going to hear that, and they're either going to be disgusted and turn away or they're going to be intrigued and wonder if there's anything more to come besides that. Yeah, I don't have a hot take. Maybe my hot take is that if people expected me to hate it because you led with such a strong statement about hating it, then my hot take might be that I didn't hate it as much as you, or I might even say I'm apathetic to it as a whole. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't think it is. Uh I don't think I uh care about the show enough to to have a hot take on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think okay. that's my take. Okay, okay. Yeah. And and it's not even this thing where it's like, "Oh, I'm too cool for this or whatever" or like cuz I I I care about my comics, but uh I guess the show was just something that existed on this level that was just 
so middling to me that my attitude towards it is overall pretty ho-hum. Mm-hmm. I get that. And the the reason why I cared enough to hate it was because I had to sit there and watch it. Yeah. And yeah. my time is valuable. Uh, so I'm pretty resentful of the show for forcing me to <laughs> waste my time. Yeah. 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 I get that. I get that. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give mm-hmm, you that. Mm-hmm. No, ain't no taking that away from you. No, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Let's give a quick synopsis of it, uh, you know, according to Wikipedia, just what their what their general premise is. Just so for those of you who have watched who haven't watched the show, if you don't really know what's going on or if you're not aware of what it is that we're hating on. And it just sounds like you just popped into uh, a conversation between two madmen and you're completely unaware of what's going on. Uh, here we go. Mark Spector, a mercenary who has dissociative identity disorder, DID, is drawn into a deadly mystery involving Egyptian gods with his multiple alters, such as Stephen Grant. That's the Wikipedia premise description. Very short, Mm -hmm. very to the point. And uh, if only the show were like that. Exactly. I, I assume that if the show was as long as that, you wouldn't have nearly as much hate for it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's... uh, Well, I guess since we've already opened that that door, let's let's go through it. Um, What was your... Can you give us your general impression of the show outside of just hating it? (laughs) Like, is there any... With or without spoilers? Without spoilers, just... uh, does that work? Yeah. Can we do this without spoilers? Can you do it without spoilers? I think so. I think so. Okay. Uh, I, I can hate very specific things, and I can also hate very general things. Okay. Just because I, I'm well-practiced in the art of being a hater. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, right. the thing with this show that really doesn't work for me is I don't think it captures the essence of what Moon Knight is at all. And ultimately, uh-huh. if it had just been a show about a new character of its own invention, I don't think it would have bothered me quite as much. I still probably would have been a little bored. And no, I definitely would have been bored by it. Yeah. But having the Moon Knight character slapped on it, that it just feels like one of those situations where they've changed so much of what makes the character appealing. I don't really understand why they even bothered naming the character Moon Knight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because this show, yeah, the stuff that this show ends up being about, it's a lot more uh, swashbuckling kind of adventure. Uh There's even like little bits of it that are reminiscent of something like Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite globetrotting well i guess it kind of is he goes to another country but there's also a lot of a lot of it where it's just so i don't know i I guess i could i was gonna call it pointless maybe there is a point and i'm not i'm not seeing it maybe maybe you'll 
tell me something about the story that will unlock its meaning to me as we go through our conversation. But just from one watch through of it, the biggest problem for me was it, it just doesn't capture anything that makes Moon Knight appealing. And we talked a lot about what we like about the character back in yeah. episode 120 as we considered a bunch of his comics because we've read a ton of comics a ton of moon knight comics and there have been quite a few good ones and even a couple of great ones so there's certainly a lot to like about moon knight as a concept but the show didn't do any of that like it leaned way hard into the elements that are probably the least interesting elements of moon knight specifically yeah 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 specifically i would say uh the egyptian god pantheon yeah that as far as i know that's never really been a big thing with moon knight i mean granted i haven't read every single moon knight comic there's a a significant chunk of 90s moon knight that i haven't read so Mm -hmm. maybe there's some stuff in there that somebody who's more well read could point to but as far as the stuff that i did read that that was never anything that was very important to his concept or yeah. his stories. And then secondly, they leaned really hard into the idea of dissociative identity disorder to the point where most of the show was just having Oscar Isaac interact and act with himself as his different personas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something I don't think I've ever really seen in a Moon Knight comic, maybe the Bendis Maleev run when he was just straight up zany and he imagined that he was what Wolverine, Captain America, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 Those, that, those that had a whole different tone. Yeah. They were talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That That's like the only Moon Knight thing that I can think of where they really lean deeply into that. So, yeah, yeah those are the things that... I'm unimpressed by and when it comes to Moon Knight and this show leaned really hard into those things. So it was it was fighting an uphill battle. Also, I, I think the costume sucks. Right. Uh, let's see. What do I got to say? My general impression. Um, yeah, I, I mean, at the top of the show, I pretty much stated that. I don't think I hated it nearly as much as you. Uh, I do still think, I I do still agree. You said you were apathetic. I'm pretty apathetic to it. I mean, yeah. Anyways, let me get to what I was saying was, uh, I I do think that, I do agree that the show isn't true to the idea of Moon Knight. uh, And, even if they were doing something different and I'm not against doing things differently, but even if they did do something different, they didn't do anything that enhanced Moon Knight or added to the idea of Moon Knight. If anything, Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess you could say they, they looked for the elements of Moon Knight that were probably the most accessible to uh the general audience you know so 
that's not something that ever really convinces me. Uh, you know, that's that's I, I certainly don't think I I'm you know your your typical fan. Uh, you know, well, I mean, quite honestly, we've we've pretty much discussed on every episode. It wouldn't surprise me if we've discussed on every episode of this podcast just our general thoughts on what your average fan are. So we're not fanboys. We're not. So so the the type of stuff that they put in here, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the type of stuff for fanboys. Um, I I don't think I had quite as much of a problem with uh you know the diso the the DID the disassociative identity disorder. Uh, I, I'd probably say that I don't think I necessarily need the portrayal of uh of uh of Mark Grant and and Mark Spector and Mark uh Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. I don't I don't necessarily need to have scenes where they're talking to each other with with accents and voices at that. Like that's that's a little corny. <laughs> uh yeah. You know, but other than that, uh yeah, I, I guess I'll save my other general thoughts for for when we get more specific, but or not my general thoughts. I'll, I'll save my thoughts, uh, my other thoughts for when we get more specific and go into spoiler territory. But I, I, I'd say overall for me, the experience was I I can't I can't say that it's good. Uh, I, I will say that. There were occasionally things, bits and pieces about it that that I perked up from whatever I was doing as it was streaming. Oh yeah, that, that's the other thing that I'd have to completely reveal to all of you, which was I, I, I actually was reading a comic while the show was on, so I wasn't even really watching. <laughs> like <laughs> I was absorbing it via osmosis, and um, so. Maybe that's what helped me to like get through it. <laughs> what comic but were you reading? I was reading the Defenders by uh, Jam D. Mateus. Okay, okay, some yeah. good old '80s comics. Yeah, but Are I will those say '80s or, or late '70s. That's a good question. Uh, I don't have them in front of me, so I'll I'll have to check. But uh, they do kind of look like late '70s, early '80s, late '70s, like. Mm-hmm. You know the way that the the people are dressed in the commercials, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'd have to double check to make sure. But that being said, even though I was reading a comic while I was watching the show, uh, is, is this something you normally do though? Do you normally just read while you watch a show? Uh, sometimes it, it's you know it's fifty fifty. It just depends. Uh. What about for the different movies and other shows that we've discussed on this podcast? No. No. I don't think I've... Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that... I. That's the thing. I have done it in the past with other shows. Um, but but I guess that's my little test for, for these kinds of uh, shows is... It, if I'm watching it and... Uh, you know, if I'm watching whatever show that I'm watching and, you know, 
and I'm driven to read a comic, then that might be an indicator of my initial feelings on whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say the test is if something happens that gets me to look up from whatever I'm reading uh, or, or cat, you know, gets me to stop reading and, uh, you know, gets my attention for whatever brief period, brief period of time. Um, You know, all things considered, that might be a win, (laughs) you know? (laughs) All right. All right. All right. So, so that being said, I, I will admit that there were, there were bits of the show that did get me to stop reading whatever I was reading and, and like got me to actually give the show my full attention. So, okay. Uh, okay. You know, so for, you know, those of you who are listening, who want to like the show, take that for what you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right. So do you want to go into our actual spoilers? Like just the the spoiler spoilful uh, conversation uh, where we just tear into the butthole of the show and just absolutely eviscerate it, no holds bar. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready when you are. Sure, let's go into it. So you mentioned earlier that there were <laughs> certain ideas that you hated about the show, uh, you know, and you didn't really go too much into it. So, so you know, for our listeners, this is the point in which we go into spoilers. So, you know, if this, if you haven't watched it yet and you don't want to ruin it, then you know, by all means, uh, uh, you can pause here at this very mark and you can go watch the show and then come back after. Or if you don't care, you know, feel free to sit through and listen. But. Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to list your grievances, Drew? <laughs> you make it sound like I have a long list of grievances, but really, it's just a couple of things that bugged me so bad that I couldn't enjoy too much of anything about the series. Yeah, yeah. I already talked a little bit about how I think the show completely ignores everything that makes Moon Knight appealing. There's a chance that I could have appreciated or at least not completely hated the show if it had uh-huh. no connection to Moon Knight. Yeah. But unfortunately, like I was saying a couple minutes ago, the show just leans really hard into elements that I don't think are important to Moon Knight. And it makes them pretty central to his character. So there's there's also a part of me that's completely resentful because now I feel like we're going to start seeing that stuff in the comics, you know, like we're going to start seeing Moon Knight have three or four distinct personalities that he's talking to. We're going to see him interacting more with the Egyptian pantheon. And those are things that I highly don't care about. So to know that that's going to happen in the comics, it's basically ruined Moon Knight for good for, well, not for good, but for years to come. Yeah. For years to come. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, when you put it that way, I, 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 I do, I can see why that would be annoying. Like, I do have love for Moon Knight as a character, and the idea that this is the version of Moon Knight that we are going to get, that is pretty annoying. Yeah, and we've seen it happen yeah. in comics all the time. Yeah. Especially these past 10 years as the MCU has really become this global phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, whereas in the past, it used to be that the comics 
the source material was what influenced the movies. But now these movies are so successful. The comics are just kind of an afterthought. And Marvel kind of breaks its back to try and make the comics look more like the movies, whether it's just really minor things, such as changing the Infinity Gems into the Infinity Stones, or something that's more noticeable, like introducing African-American Nick Fury into the 616 universe by having this really convoluted reason of Nick yeah. Fury having a black son. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's, uh, so silly. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The stuff that they're doing, like the stuff that's going on with Shang-Chi in the comics right now, it, you know, you could tell that Jin Yang was influenced by the movies when I really feel like it should have been the other way around. Yeah. And it's not even the good kind of influence where it comes from uh what's it called from inspiration it's yeah it's like you said it's basically uh an, an edict from the the people that want to sell comics right yeah the irony is i don't even think doing that kind of stuff helps sales too much i don't think it makes much of a difference yeah yeah i i'd say so like uh for all the success that the mcu has that hasn't really translated to helping Marvel sell more than ever, you know? Yeah. Well, exactly, right? Their their entire thought process behind it revolves around the idea that, well, we have to have this consistency between what we put on screen and what we have on paper. But at the same time, it's not like their business practice is doing anything to really promote the... The, to promote the the books themselves, right? And that's that's kind of where the failing of of this whole thing is. Well, I mean, of the entire endeavor, I mean, uh, the business of comics that is. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, anyways, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I get that, man. the The idea, to put it bluntly, they a lot of the show starts out with well okay first of all let me say this i i will say in the first episode or so that that same thought did occur to me that if this version of stephen grant was unrelated to moon knight if this was a completely different show i might be able to appreciate it more if it was just a show about a guy who falls asleep, doesn't know where he goes when he's asleep, and is constantly afraid of what he does when he's in this trance-like state. Um, Like, on its own, that's not a premise... I mean, that's that's not a premise that I can't get behind, you know? I, I Mm -hmm. I can watch a story like that on its own, but, yeah, like you said, because this is specifically Moon Knight, it just feels really gimmicky. I don't really feel like it's true to Moon Knight either. And uh, it's really more of a distraction from the core elements of Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, additionally, there's also the the fact that, like you mentioned, they lean very heavily into the fact that Moon Knight is very 
very very deeply intertwined with all of the Egyptian gods, you know? Yeah. And if you've read the comics, his whole thing is he's 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 usually just tied into the one Egyptian god, which is Khonshu. And and even then the connection is pretty tenuous or pretty questionable, where you you as the reader are are always left asking, is he really imbued? Is he really truly the avatar of Moon Knight? Uh, I mean, the avatar of Khonshu, the god of the moon, or is this just a thing that's happening in his head, right? Yeah. And there's none of that here. It it really does feel like most of it is pretty, pretty set in stone that, oh yeah, these Egyptian gods do exist and they they really do affect him in the real world. They They, they have an effect on the world as a whole. Yeah, uh, they they all have, they have their a own avatars. Yeah. They have a council where they make decisions and govern yeah. one another. There's there's a, essentially a whole society based around them. Yeah. And even even once you get to the end of the show, like once 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 they've established that premise, they've sort of lost the whole point of the show because once by the time you get to the end of the series it just becomes this giant god battle between the various gods that exist and you know we've we've talked about this in previous episodes but when when it becomes this whole cg battle between giant monsters that's that's when it loses our interest mm-hmm. and especially when it's a moon knight story because what does yeah. that have to do with him yeah, exactly. And that's, that's you might as well have Shang-Chi surfing on a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's kind of what it is. That's that's exactly what we see is uh it, it really just becomes this huge video game spectacle as opposed to the character study or or even the focus on the inner drama and turmoil of Mark Spector. You know? Mhm. Mhm. Uh yeah, so I can't I can't say that element of the show really did much for me. Um actually it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Another uh, thing that I really didn't like about the show is that I think the costume is awful. Uh-huh. The mummy wrapping, I think that's such a bad idea. It, it I guess if they were doing it to try and go with a really strong Egyptian theme, I, I mean, I guess a mummy makes you think of Egypt. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, silly or shallow. But yeah, uh, it, it was just, number one, it was just a bad look. But secondly, I think the way that it just magically would form around his body, that that was pretty bad to me because that's definitely not Moon Knight. Maybe if they turned Moon Knight into a magical girl story, that would have been okay. <laughs> like if they made him Sailor Moon Knight, you know? I would be behind that. I would be that behind that too. That is the version of Moon Knight that I would want to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could totally make that fun. That would I, that would work if you made him Sailor Moon Knight. I want him to use the power of the moon to punish his enemies. Exactly. With, 
with with love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the name of the moon, I will punish you. That's what exactly. he should have said before he, he beat yeah. up anyone he touched. Yeah. But yeah, it, it that I don't know, man. It it's kind of like a ragman sort of thing where yeah. I don't know why they chose to do that, man. I don't I really don't get it. I I think they just leaned into Again, I I do think that this is a I, I do think it is them leaning into the the fanboy aspect of it, which was they looked at various ideas that they thought would appeal to that that market or to to that group of fans, and in their opinion. They didn't see a downside to it, so so I'll, I'll admit that when I first saw the costume in uh, in the in the trailers, I I didn't have as viscerally a a reaction as you did. Uh, I don't think I I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I was I was as far as I was concerned, I, it 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 looked enough like Moon Knight where I was fine with it. But what I didn't like about it after watching the show was that a lot of the show focuses on the fact that the costume is has this power. They they it focuses on the fact that yeah, the, the costume gives them superpowers essentially. And I don't agree with that. I I don't I don't want that. Um Initially, I in those scenes where the costume magically appears on him, uh, I think when I was still hopeful, or yeah, when I was still hopeful about it, I was telling myself, well, maybe that could be a byproduct of his, you know, of his fractured psyche, <laughs> uh, you know, just imagining that that's how the costume came on. But no, it was it was pretty literal. It was pretty actual and. I don't have any desire for that to be the case. I don't want the 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 costume to <clears throat> Here's what I was telling a friend of mine. They basically made him spawn. They they gave him this living costume that uh boosts his strength, protects him from pretty high-level damage, uh allows him to fly uh and, and do these pretty impressive feats of physicality and yeah that's just not what moon knight is about moon knight isn't the costume and uh i don't agree with that i it's it's the 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 second that i realized that that's where they were going with it i can't say that uh i was a fan of that i they lost me on that i i I will say that much Mm -hmm. and i wanted on record that i was not a fan of it even before I learned all that from watching the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hated uh, it from the beginning, Albert. <laughs> when I yeah. saw the commercial, I was ready to crap on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was blinded by my love of Moon Knight, so I was hopeful. <laughs> I was hopeful. Yeah. The Mr. Knight costume, I guess that looks mostly the way it's supposed to look. Uh-huh. But even then, if you... Read the Declan Shalvey comics. The the Shalvey version just completely beats out what we see on screen because of what comics do with 
color contrast, you know, because in the comics, those the white suit that Moon Knight wears, it's completely Super white. Me- white. Yeah, meaning that there is no color whatsoever. It doesn't even reflect any lighting. It's just yeah, pure white. There's no grays, no tones. It's it, yeah, you you see the folds yeah. and wrinkles, but yeah, there are no tones or and there's no light reflecting off it or anything. Yeah. So yeah. in in the show they they I suppose they could have done some special effects to kind of give that visual look, but they just treated it like his normal costume or his like regular clothes, you know, like it. Yeah, you could tell that it was a white suit, but it wasn't. Yeah, it it didn't stand out or anything, you know. He just looked like a crazy guy wearing a bag on his head. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, there was one other thing I wanted to say before we move on uh, to like another thing you hate. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the earlier point about the the Egyptian pantheon. There, there is something about having all like there's there was even a moment in the show itself where they talk about how they almost make the pantheon seem like they're a superhero team or something where i think stephen grant was talking about how there are seven of them and uh i don't know there's just something about that that again it 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 feels like it's a, a tactic to try to appeal to fanboys but there is something about you know, having each of, I guess if I was going to be really cynical, uh, I could say that by opening up the entire Pantheon, you can, you can world build in a way where you can have all these other properties that you can now expand on, you know? And I, I think logically that's the only way or reason that that makes sense and if that is the only reason for it then i i'm definitely not a fan of that uh you know like so much of the show ends up feeling almost like egyptian power rangers or something <laughs> well you know? we, layla did turn into a superhero at the end of this at the end exactly, of the show exactly yeah. she was imbued by the power of another one of the egyptian gods to become the scarlet scarab i think was the character's mm-hmm. name yeah and, and, all these you know, gods have their own avatars so potentially yeah. all of them could become powered beings yeah so if you yeah exactly if you extrapolate upon that idea what you're gonna see eventually is again from a marketing perspective i feel like somebody in that department at at disney slash marvel probably thought man, I bet we could cash in on this. We could have so many... We could have all these characters that we could just make more shows about or make try to make popular, and that's not something that really does anything for me, uh, especially if it takes away from Moon Knight. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so in, in brief, I, I'm not a fan of changing out Moon Knight to become uh, Egyptian Power Ranger. I, I, that, yeah. That's my summation of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anything, uh, what else? What else you got, Drew? Um, I'll, I'll, I think we can, I'll save the stuff about the story for last. 
I'm just going to okay. talk about some of the more uh, simple things that just hit me on a visceral level to draw my hatred out. <laughs> right. But, Moon Knight's power set was straight whack, and you already alluded to it a little bit when you talked about his, essentially the living costume and the cape and everything. Yeah. Because Moon Knight having powers, that's, I, I don't, I don't like that idea. Yeah. Maybe you could talk me into being okay with the idea of his strength being commensurate with the phases of the moon. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> But the idea that once he transforms into his costume, he suddenly has super strength, super durability, a healing factor, all those things. He can fly. Yeah. Final episode, he was straight up flying. Yeah. That's just not something I'm down with, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mentioned earlier, I, like I already talked about the idea of him as a Power Ranger, but yeah, that's that's the other thing I also mentioned was... They kind of turned him into Spawn, and y'all know how we feel about Spawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that that was already a move in the wrong direction. It really was. It really yeah. was. I think the big appeal of Moon Knight is that he is just this normal guy who puts on a costume and uses weapons and martial arts and his wits to to fight you know there yeah. isn't anything supernatural about it other than his own faith or his beliefs in Conchu. yeah i mean one of the better moon knight comics that we discussed in episode 120 was the charlie houston run and that run starts with moon knight being in really bad shape because he's actually suffering from knee injuries you know yeah like you don't body often, is broken. Exactly. You don't you don't often see superhero comics begin with the hero recovering from, you know, a torn ACL or whatever, you know? Like yeah. the stuff that real athletes and real people uh would suffer when they do really outrageous acrobatic things or athletic feats. Yeah. Like usually superheroes don't you don't really they just see them bounce right back. Yeah, they just bounce right back they, their recovery period is either super yeah. quick or they have power so they can heal faster you never really see you never really see them wearing a cast or anything like that or for a very long time or you don't see them uh on crutches for a significant period yeah but that that houston run starts off with moon knight in in pretty bad shape and it yeah you know he, he he's still doing stuff that i don't think a normal person probably could do like his knees are pretty bad and at one point he starts putting the costume back on and beating up thugs and stuff and and operating as moon knight but he's still hurting and he ends up going to physical therapy because he needs it you know it's like stuff like that that makes it feel more more gritty and it gives yeah. that moon knight story this this touch of a, a bit of realism you know and yeah in in the show, you you see Moon Knight being stabbed in all over his body uh, with spears and stuff, and he just kind of shakes it off because his costume gives him that durability and and healing. Yeah, things yeah. that would definitely, if not kill a normal person, seriously maim them. Yeah, I 
Yeah, I think when they first announced Charlie Houston and I was reading about what he some of the things that he was teasing at in terms of what he wanted to do with Moon Knight, the idea of Moon Knight being this completely broken character was something that appealed to me. Um, I don't know if this is in the wheelhouse of of stories that I want to see. Maybe it is. I I I I think it is. But I I think I've always been drawn to the idea of superheroes that are just utterly broken to the point where they don't really have uh, a support system. Mm-hmm. So uh, the one just example alone and struggling and on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that resonates, man. It does. It does. And what I think about, for example, is uh, I remember Green Arrow was a character that was dead for a very long time in DC Comics. And then they did a story where Kevin Smith brought him back. And I was I was for that story uh, initially because I remember looking at some of the the panels that they released, you know, for uh, to 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 put into um what's the word for promotions for promotionals and i remember uh seeing that their version of green arrow was a homeless guy basically he was a homeless guy (laughs) living in a dumpster and uh he made a bunch of arrows out of broken bottles and just garbage and (laughs) there was something about that that appealed to me you know Uh uh-huh uh-huh I remember reading that and I was like, okay, okay, I want to see this version of Green Arrow. I don't want, I don't want a Batman. I don't want someone who has an Alfred. I don't want someone who has a Robin or a Bat family. I just want, you know, this guy who has nothing. You, but you want a deranged homeless man on the loose? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. But exactly, right? So, you know, I was, I was, I was in it for for Green Arrow, and then. When they eventually made it so that he he cleaned up pretty rest- quickly. Yeah, exactly. He restored himself and he reconnected with his uh, uh, support structure fairly quickly. So I didn't really get that story for long with Green Arrow, but with Moon Knight, you know I what do- you could read though. You could read some more D-Man comics. I mean, there's just that one D-Man story that uh, they put in. Uh, in that Bendis comic, but like I don't feel like your average D-man, assuming that you can find another D-man story. <laughs> like I don't think you can. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'll see too much of that. Yeah, but even in this, I mean, well, it's D-man, so he doesn't necessarily get a bunch of solo stories to begin with. But yeah, <clears throat> I'm thinking of. The various appearances that he's made in in other comics, where he's just in there for a couple panels. <laughs> for example, the Kurt Busiek and George Perez Avengers. Uh-huh. In the very first arc, when all of the Avengers, like a massive amount of Avengers, are gathering for their battle against Morgan Le Fay, there's a scene. They basically call everybody who had ever been an Avenger. West Coast Avenger or Reserve Avenger up to that point. 
Uh-huh. And and D-Man was one of the people who answered the call. But I remember that scene because it made me laugh. He goes into the into Avengers Mansion. They're they're all in the meeting room, and then you know Captain America and Iron Man are, are giving a briefing on what's going on. And you just see all these superheroes in the conference room. It's like a lecture hall, uh, like a college lecture hall. And D-Man is sitting in the room, but everybody gives him a wide berth because he smells like the sewer. <laughs> and you have like people making, giving him side-eye glances and, and sit, whispering, saying, like, why does that guy stink? What is he here for? <laughs> and, and he's straight up dressed like a bum, you know, like he's, he's still yeah. got his costume, but it's, it's clearly tattered up. He hasn't shaved in months. And he's got this, you know, he's got one of those really big trench coats that's got flies and stuff flying around it. Yeah, it's the kind of trench coat that a flasher would wear. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It is. But I was going to say, yeah, even with Moon Knight, like, he doesn't really stay that way for very long, but... You know, uh, we we talked about this in our Moon Knight episode. Like, eventually what ends up happening is we we come to the conclusion that no matter what, whoever is in his life, he ends up hurting and ruining anyways. So I do think they still adhere to that idea on some level where even though he's got a butler and a moon copter and all that, like, at the end of the day, the people in his life, they don't really want to have much to do with him because... <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's gonna screw him over, so yeah. so he he truly was a loner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But by uh, by doing this, you know, version of Moon Knight that we see in the show, uh, by by again giving him this pantheon and uh, giving him other avatars that he can work with, it's yeah, it it doesn't really do do much for me. Yeah, and from what I know, one of the things that the showmakers were really trying to push was they wanted to differentiate Moon Knight from Batman. And in our other episode, we we did talk a bit about the comparisons between Batman and Moon Knight, the various similarities. Like you said, Moon Knight has a butler. He's got a sidekick or a partner he's got a moon copter he's got all these moon themed yeah. items and weaponry and stuff gadgets and for the show i know that they specifically were conscious of trying to avoid those batman comparisons and maybe that's the reason why they leaned so hard into the egyptian mythology and his dissociative identity disorder but i don't i don't think it benefited their approach I think uh-huh. I think having seen what they did do with Moon Knight in the show, I think I, I would have rather they just made a Batman clone, you know? Yeah, yeah. I still would have rather have seen that classic 80s version of Moon Knight than what we actually got. Yeah. I think, I think the thing about that is that if they had decided to do to make him a batman clone but taking the opportunity to accentuate their differences via the degrees 
of difference. It would have required a lot more work on their part. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's necessarily an easy task, but uh, I, I do think doing it that way would have been more interesting. Uh, it, it's from the standpoint of someone who's processing and consuming the work, it would have been more interesting to uh, uh, to to make those differentiations between these two characters by observing the degrees of difference. But but I think I think maybe they didn't have too much faith in the ability of your average fan to to sit through that or to. Yeah, if I had to guess, they probably would have thought that your average fan would have just saw, oh, this is just a wannabe Batman and left it at that. And I don't think that they're necessarily wrong, but I don't. I also don't think that that's an excuse not to do it, you know? Yeah, maybe they were just scared of the comparison. Maybe they thought that whatever they did with Moon Knight, if it was, if he were too similar to Batman, people would just compared to the Batman movies. I mean, there was a Batman movie that just came out a a few months ago. So maybe they just figured, yeah, we're not going to be able to make something as good as that. (laughs) Good. But the idea of... (laughs) 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 Sorry. I've never heard you do that voice. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I've ever done that either. I really don't know what possessed me to do that. They took me by surprise. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I did notice that your reaction was slightly delayed. For a moment, I was like, huh, Albert didn't react to that. I'm just going to keep on going then. (laughs) I was, uh, (laughs) I think I was taken aback by it. (laughs) Well, it's like we all, like I said last week, man, I like to take you by surprise sometimes, dude. Give you a little color to your life. That you did. That you did. Stimulate you, man. <laughs> Consider me properly stimulated. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, as I was saying, maybe the people who are making the show just thought that whatever they did with Moon Knight, if they try to, if they intentionally drew comparisons to Batman, then they would, maybe they felt they would fail to measure up to Batman. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah again i don't think that that's i don't think that that's enough of a reason and and maybe it's easy for me to say that on on sitting from where i am with zero stakes in it well at least in terms of like a job or whatever but Mm -hmm. uh but yeah it's not a very convincing uh uh argument for me for to to not do it you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, I, I think it's fair to say that me and you, uh, in terms of what we appreciate about comics or the kinds of comics that we appreciate, we we do gravitate towards things that are a little bolder, probably take a little more risk. Like, when something does take a risk or takes a chance, we we definitely have more respect for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And and the funny thing is, what we're what is what we're essentially saying is that 
we wanted to take a risk by leaning into being more like Batman, but showing the effort to put thought and work into highlighting the differences between the two characters by making them similar. Yeah, because if you think about the best Moon Knight comics, a lot of them do have that basic framework of how he has a setup comparable to Batman. You know, he has a lot of money. He's he's essentially a millionaire. He's got yeah. a moon copter. He's got the the people around him, like a support staff, a butler, and and a partner and stuff. But when you look at those stories play out in execution, they're not like Batman comics at all. Yeah. Like the the kinds of moral dilemmas that he faces and how he responds to them are quite different. And then when you go in closer to the modern day, like some of the more, some of the stories that were produced in the past, like 15 years or so, then you get to see things where he doesn't have that support staff, you know, and it's essentially yeah. a story of what happens when Batman he falls from burns grace. all his bridges. Yeah, he burns <laughs> all his bridges. All the people that he had surrounded himself with in the past, yeah, essentially can no longer be part of his life because they've finally recognized that for all of Moon Knight's good intentions, just being his friend or being close to him only brings you pain, sorrow, and hurt. There's yeah. there's like no reason for any sane person, even his f- closest friends, to to be a- around him, to to be in his life, and he ends up truly being alone, and and he's comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you look yeah. at Batman, he's not actually a loner. Like people who don't really read comics or understand the character of Batman. They look at him and think, "Oh yeah, he's he's a loner. He's yeah. He's got Robin, but he's he's just a loner, but he's he's really not. Like anyone who yeah. reads comics knows that Batman has a family. Yeah. He doesn't think, have parents, but he's got a family. Yeah. I think in their mind they like to think of him as a loner because they they like they like the idea of the brooding Batman, mm-hmm. but the Bat family is inescapable for Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the idea of Alfred, the idea of Robin and Nightwing, any of those characters, they're just so embedded into who he is that maybe you can tell a story. No, you can definitely tell a story here and there where it's about Batman being alone, but. There are, I think the conclusion that you come to at the end of the day is that 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 family that he has does save him. That family that he has is also the thing that keeps him going. Because if he truly turned away from that, then he becomes a lost cause. He becomes Moon Knight if he truly turns away from that and... Mm-hmm. Time and time again, we see that in his stories. Maybe, maybe he comes close to turning away, but he never yeah. truly does. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe a, a particular writer writes a story where, again, like he's he's on his own. Uh, like Broken City is one where he doesn't really interact with anyone, but eventually, 
built into the very like core fabric of him. He he you can't ignore the fact that these characters are in his life, that they're a big part of him and they're the thing that saves him. And even if you do something like kill Alfred off like he is like he's dead now. It it just feels like one of those things where he'll be back at some point, you know? Like they're Yeah. I have a hard time believing Alfred's gonna be dead forever. Yeah. Heck, you could even make the argument that even in the absence of an Alfred, the the specter of Alfred is still something there that probably means more to him than mm-hmm. than like if if Moon Knight's nameless butler, I no, he's got a name, doesn't he? He does have a name. I forgot his name, but he has a name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if Moon he, had a, he had a butler, butler and a maid, and I forgot both of their names. Yeah, they both. You're right. They both have names. I just don't remember what they are. But if they died, I have a hard time believing that Moon Knight is gonna is gonna shed any tears. <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might be sad for a little bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. True. 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 He'd, he'd get revenge, man. Yeah. It, like, I could imagine, you know, Batman being haunted by the death of Alfred. I don't imagine that Moon Knight's really haunted by it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for me to to believe that Moon Knight would, at the end of the day, go home and just weep uncontrollably. He'd just, <laughs> just kind of be like, Oh man, I got these people killed. <laughs> yeah, sucks to be me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, time to get to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you've talked about a couple of things that you didn't like. I, I think I think it's time for me to mention uh one of the things that I didn't like. Okay, okay. Uh one of the things very early on that I didn't believe or buy into was the introduction of Stephen Grant as this bumbling oaf of a of a of a character who who works a day job at a at a museum as 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 a as a clerk as a store clerk and uh, as a gift shop clerk yeah and uh, you know I I get that. Um, the Moon Knight has these three different persona that he inhabits, but I don't know. I I just felt like presenting Stephen Grant as this lovable doofus kind of character, like, one, that's never been a character that I've ever seen in Moon Knight. And two... Uh, again, if I if I had to step back and ask myself why they did what they did, the only answer that I could come up with is they wanted to create someone likable that they could market to to viewers. <laughs> and again, that's not enough of a reason for me to do that. Like, I, I think that's not true to the idea of Moon Knight or any of his personas. And 
Yeah, and, and the idea that you're just doing it just to make a character that, you know, viewers can like, that's not something that I agree with. So, yeah, I I didn't like that about, uh, about Moon Knight. I didn't like that. I, I'll say this much. Um, I like Oscar Isaac. I thought he did a good work as an actor, but I, I didn't like that that's what they wanted him to do yeah as as steven grant you know yeah um as far as i can tell i think the portrayals of them have always been jake lockley has always been the the street streetwise smart smart alecky kind of guy uh i want to say that mark specter was probably the he was the mercenary. Yeah, he was know, the, the tough guy, mercenary, yeah. I guess. And Stephen Grant was kind of the millionaire playboy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Those were those were the representations of them, but I yeah, I, I just don't I don't know why they did that. <laughs> the other thing is and this is another thing that I didn't like about the show, but I don't think the comics really show him struggling with multiple personalities these different personas stephen grant and jake lockley they were just essentially aliases for him to operate effectively in different situations you know Uh like they were they were personas or affectations that mark specter takes on so that he could operate in a different area of influence like it wasn't like he he Especially in those early comics, I never got the sense where he had these three different distinct personalities that didn't know what the other ones were doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, they certainly weren't talking to each other. They certainly weren't uh, so individualistic that they took on a life of their own. Yeah, and the whole talking to each other thing like the scenes between mark specter and stephen grant in the show i'm not even sure like i don't i don't know that much about dissociative identities disorder but i so i don't know if that's how it actually works i i I was under the impression that if one personality is operating then or conscious then the other one would not be aware of what the other personality is doing right so if that were the case why were they able to communicate with each other like basically it seemed like one guy was in control of the body and then the other guy was just this passive observer who was along for the ride but if they were being true to the idea of did shouldn't it be that the person that wasn't in control of the body was just completely unconscious yeah, that's a good question. I I'd have to read more about that. I I I'm not familiar with it enough, but yeah, in, in short, I I'd say that that was a decision that the way that they chose to portray it wasn't something I was super into either. Cuz if he's just talking to himself, isn't that closer to schizophrenia or or some other mental disorder? Yeah, uh, I mean that's a good question. I I don't really know but yeah it's not 
just in terms of uh, a viewing experience, I can't say that it, it felt true uh, to me. I, I, I'd also say that I don't know that I, I necessarily wanted them all to have like these different voices either. <laughs> uh, like it, the idea that Stephen Grant had a British accent kind of kind of threw me off. <laughs> uh, I mean, I will say that Oscar Isaac is a good actor. He is. He is. I had I had appreciation and respect for him doing what he was doing with the material. Uh huh. It's it's you know one of those situations where I, I don't really like the material. I don't like the directions he was given. I don't like the writing of the show. He but lost the race before he even started. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But considering all those factors against him, I still appreciated the craft that he put into his job. Uh huh. Yeah. So that that that's one of the most positive things that I have to say about the show is acting. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? There, there was one scene in, in the later episodes in particular that, that I did enjoy from him. I, I, I will say that, uh, again, some, some of the material that, they presented didn't necessarily feel right but i i did enjoy or appreciate the acting in the moment uh in spite of it but there's this one scene where uh, where stephen grant is or uh, mark specter is at the funeral of his mom and you know in that moment he he finally has a full like i guess it's a psychotic break but uh he he's so do you remember the scene i'm talking about it's it's the scene where he's like so grief stricken at his mother's funeral he's just across the street and then he doesn't go inside when his father beckons him yeah 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 and he's just kind of crying i i thought that was a pretty like well done display of his acting you know yeah I, i thought that was pretty moving stuff um and then in that moment where he's you know, in grief over his mom, he something snaps in him, and he the 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 personality of Stephen Grant uh, emerges in him, and he just becomes this bumbling doofus, <laughs> and and he wanders off to to start a new life, and that's that's what happened to him, or that's I guess that's the twist of the series is that. From the start, we think Stephen Grant is the the primary uh, personality, but we learn that Mark Spector is actually the primary personality, and that Stephen Grant manifests in response to all of his childhood trauma, and uh, you know, coming face to face with that trauma at the funeral of his mother, who was at the source of it, at the source of his trauma. Mm-hmm. When you were watching it the first time, is that what you believed that Stephen Grant was the primary personality or original personality? Uh, I think that's what they were implicating, but I don't. I mean, 
knowing what I know of Moon Knight, I didn't. I don't think I was expecting that to be the case. Or yeah, I didn't. I didn't know where they were going with it, but in my mind, I already knew that Mark Spector was the the main personality. So yeah, I guess I was just along for the ride. And then when they did that, I was like, oh, okay. So no big surprise there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Well, I guess when we're while we're on the subject of the acting, was there any other like? bits of acting or from any of the other characters or uh that you had any thoughts on um i definitely think oscar isaac was the standout actor in this show yeah like he he was definitely just on a a different level from most of them yeah like i like ethan hawk but i don't it didn't really feel like Ethan Hawke had that. He had even less to work with than yeah. Mark Spe- than Oscar yeah. Isaac. I think if if we take the idea that they were they had lost the race before they even begun, like that might be true of Oscar Isaac, but it's definitely true with Ethan Hawke because yeah, I know Ethan Hawke is capable of good work he's got a long career you know so seeing him as what's what's his name Stephen harrow Stephen arthur harrow arthur harrow like that character that character was pretty unimpressive uh just kind of a a stock cult leader kind of character there was one thing i heard from listening to another podcast that made me laugh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I was listening to to them talking about Ethan Hawke as as Arthur Harrow and one of the guys on that podcast said that during those scenes when we were in the insane asylum and Ethan Hawke was playing the psychologist character. Uh-huh. He said that because of the way the mustache was and and the way his hair was combed, he looked like Mark McGrath from the rock band Sugar Ray. Oh, shoot. <laughs> now that you mention it, I do see that. <laughs> it made me like, laugh. Ethan Hawke does have a, a similar facial structure to that. I can see that. <laughs> that is, uh, that's funny. <laughs> it, yeah. It, I didn't think of it when I first saw it, but after I heard him say that, yeah, that's the only thing I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um well what's it called i was looking at the cast and so this this might be something where uh i might be conflicted because well again it's another example where they didn't have much to work with but I did see, I think they said the voice of Khonshu was F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, you know his work? Yeah, he, he's he's another, like, big, big sort of uh, longtime actor who's who's done a lot of work in the past. And uh, I'm trying to think what I know him from. Uh, the, the most famous things that I can 
name is I'm pretty sure that was him in uh Scarface. Uh he was one of the characters in Scarface. Uh I think he was in Amadeus. Uh Okay. okay. He he's a guy who's 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 done a lot of like he's a like a great character actor who's done a lot of work from like years back and I I do I do think he did pretty good as Khonshu, um, even though, again, I don't know if I'm too big of a fan of this really grandiose idea of Khonshu, but, you know, but I like him. I like F. Murray Abraham, and he, he's more than a capable actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Oh, here. Well, okay. It's it's not really relating to acting, but it is something that I did like about the show. And I don't know who the actress is, but I do like the hippo god that they introduced. Yeah. Yeah. The lady who did her voice did a good job because it it kind of plays against type, where she was like this kindly sounding person. Yeah. And whereas the hippo figure, just from a visual standpoint, looks kind of intimidating or at least kind of freaky. Yeah, the character was essentially a a, a ferryman to the underworld. That's mm-hmm. a term, right? Ferryman. I believe so. Okay, and you know it was her job to be their guide in the underworld, and yeah, it's a pretty. She's a pretty intimidating hippopotamus goddess looking character you know it's it's not okay so a little added context hippopotamuses i don't know what your personal opinion of them was but they they look kind of i guess from a certain perspective they can be kind of adorable but they look funny but they're i don't want to mess with them yeah Yeah, they're 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 dangerous animals dangerous yeah yeah like i wouldn't recommend anyone go up to them and pet them uh in fact i heard that i forget where but in areas where they share spaces with crocodiles they've been known to rip crocodiles in half yeah i've watched enough nature documentaries to know that you don't mess with hippos yeah they're dangerous so that being said the 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 portrayal of her was with with the look of the character and the voice uh there was something charming about that character yeah absolutely it kind of reminded me of neil gaiman's death (laughs) where you have this figure that is supposed you would presume that she's intimidating but in actuality she's not so like neil gaiman's death is kind of like this teenage girl or you know a young lady who's friendly and not really the kind traditional, of a goth chick yeah like something. not not a grim reaper type and yeah. that's sort of the same feel that i got from hippopotamus lady yeah i don't even know if that's a character that came from comics I, i'm i'm like 99 percent confident that that was just a new character that they made up yeah it's probably just based on uh an egyptian mythology yeah yeah, 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 yeah. goddess or something yeah so there was that 
Um, in the before we started the episode, you did ask me some questions about uh, some of the source material for Moon Knight, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess I want to take that as a springboard to talk about some of the things that I did like um, and some of the things that, you know, align with things that I didn't like about it. But uh, so in terms of the source material, I will say that episode five was probably the most interesting episode for me because mm-hmm. it ends. I, I don't know if it's episode five, five where it ends I, I think it's episode four where it ends with him getting shot mm-hmm. and uh so he gets shot by arthur harrow while they're you know chasing whatever MacGuffin that they're in the middle of chasing and you know we he he reawakens after he's been shot in this mental institution and there's this brief period of time where you're kind of wondering whether whether he was crazy all along and he imagined all this stuff or whether, uh, yeah, whether he was crazy all along and he imagined all this stuff or you're not really sure what happened. All you know is like all of a sudden he wakes up and he's in this mental institution and things kind of get weird Mm -hmm. as Mark Spector and Stephen Grant begin to occupy the same space. And eventually what you learn is that they're, I guess the most literal interpretation of, of it is that they're in the afterworld or the afterlife. Um, yeah. And the thing about that was I do feel like that was taken from, and this is a, uh, one of the Moon Knight comics we didn't talk about because we hadn't read it at the time. But I do feel like they took it from the Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood run. Yeah, and, and there are some other various art. And you, you uh, read that. Artists. You read that uh, in between the last episode and this one, right? Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. I unfortunately was not able to read it before we did our uh, introduction to Moon Knight, but uh, since then I did read it because, uh, yeah, we, you know, I was pulling out all my Moon Knight comics, and it just felt like it was time to 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 get into them, and those issues that Jeff Lemire did, they were basically a, I'd say his entire arc was a metaphysical journey of self-discovery for Mark Spector. It was a story about Moon Knight going on this spiritual journey to reconcile the various aspects of his fractured psyche, you know? And I do think they took that idea and applied it to this one particular episode of Moon Knight. Um, I think personally, if they had, they had done more of that, if they had made it a little weirder, it, it might've appealed to my personal tastes more. If, if Moon Knight had been more about that, but I think the ultimate failing is, after after they go on this journey, uh, when Moon Knight 
reemerges when he comes back to life, when Mark Spector comes back to life. Uh, it, it's it's still anchored to the fact that their version of Moon Knight is is Spawn, right? Is is fighting <laughs> on behalf of Khonshu in this great battle between the Egyptian gods and and that's where it ultimately fails. So even though it explores this kind of interesting uh, uh, era of Moon Knight comics, because it's still tied into that 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 main premise, it it just can't escape it. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess in my uh, estimate of it, it's 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 a lost it's it's a lost opportunity or uh, I don't even know if that's the right word, but it, it just, mm-hmm. yeah, it just doesn't feel quite as right as it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Speaking and, of, Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, no, no, I, I'm, I'm going to branch off into one other thing, but uh, you go first while you're still on it. Yeah. So since you brought up the, that whole section um that episode a lot of time is spent in that um what do you call it the asylum i keep calling it yeah is that is that the technical term for it i i just keep calling it the asylum i I guess it could be an institution the mental institution right yeah so like how would you have felt if it had been revealed that Mark Spector had been in that institution this whole time, and those first few episodes were just a hallucination. Like, did that cross your mind? Like that that it could did. have been what they were doing. It did for a brief second. It did cross my mind. Uh, I think the issue with that was, I guess it would be a matter of okay, a couple of things. One, the fact that they had already committed four episodes to all the stuff that came before it it would have if if that was where the story had ended up it would have uh felt it would have felt like a cheap yeah, yeah exactly it would have felt cheap but so if they were going to do that it would have made more sense to do it sooner rather than later mm, yeah yeah that, that's true yeah so i would have if they were going to do that i would have preferred that they not put us through all that other stuff early on it was all a dream yeah yeah right because that's that's what it feels like is they got to a place where they didn't where you know the story got inconvenient for them and they just retconned it by making it all a dream as opposed to telling a story where it was about it being a dream intentionally you know yeah 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 that's a that's an important distinction it is it is and Maybe some people might not be able to appreciate the differences between those two things, but for me personally, it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. here, same here. Yeah. So what were you about to say? I was going to say in terms of another comic that I do think served as a inspiration for this, um, I don't know how much influence it had but i do think that and and this is a pretty random one but 
there was one uh, Moon Knight run that happened pretty recently that was Max Bemis. Okay. And now that I think about it, because I remember reading some stuff online, uh, and when I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was kind of stuff that they took from his run on Moon Knight, which is pretty unexpected because he's not an especially big name in the Marvel stable of writers. Mm -hmm. And I don't think his run was especially well-regarded or anything, but yeah. But one of the things about his run was that he did focus more on the Egyptian pantheon. Uh, Mm. So like he like, okay. So the story he did was he had Moon Knight fight his opposite, which was a guy <laughs> that was an avatar to another uh, Egyptian god. And, you know, and it was about them duking it out or whatever. Okay, okay. So, and and I think that guy's name was, that guy might have been Arthur Harrow. I'm not 100% sure because I had to look the dude up. I Like, I don't know who... Arthur Harrow is, but I think Arthur Harrow in the comics might have just been a pretty uh, forgettable one-off bad guy from a '90s comic because I don't remember him either. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think I, I want to say that maybe Bimus brought him back. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I like I'll 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 have to look that up later. But um, yeah. I I mean even if not. If they're not the same character, the fact that he told this story where he tapped into the Egyptian mythology as the focal point for Moon Knight, uh, that felt like something that might have influenced this show or or the direction of the show. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, that's another run I have not read, so I'm not familiar with it. Did you like that run? I think for the most part, no. I can't say that I did. I will say that there were bits and pieces of it where uh, he did like some one-off stories that were pretty interesting uh, on their own. But mm-hmm. as a whole, I think I, I... Okay, so I remember finish that I finished reading it and it was something that I had to sit on and process for a little bit just, you know, to decide what my feelings on it were. Sure. And I think I came to the conclusion that I might have to reread it just to be absolutely sure, but (laughs) I can't, I can't say that my immediate reaction to it was, this is one of the best Moon Knight stories of all time. And, but it wasn't one of the worst either. Right. Yeah. But I guess my default mode is, or not even default mode, but I, I guess I can tell myself that my it's a safe assumption to think that if I didn't have any good feelings towards it, that maybe it just wasn't very good at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I Wait, don't know. So is that typically how it is? Like you've never revisited something you weren't impressed by initially and then come away feeling that it was better than you thought? No, I, I've, I've had stuff where I have done that, but yeah. I think it's rare. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. 
Yeah. In terms of other things that I will compliment the show for, things that I personally did like, I did like the set pieces. I thought that there's something about adventuring through the desert and and like what they were filming that I did enjoy. I don't know. I don't know. I when I was watching it, there was that Indiana Jones aspect of it that you were mentioning. Yeah. Where I think I wanted to like it. Like I could see how that as a as an idea could be applied to Mark Spector and Moon Knight as as kind of a globe trotting adventurer. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's I don't know if this was this was what like that version of it that I was seeing, you know? Yeah. Like I like maybe there's a version of that that they could do that I could like, but this wasn't that. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I think I, yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, like I don't they, think they could take the idea of him being this globe trotting adventurer and do something that engaged you in a little uh yeah. in a better way. Yeah. Yeah. Like in I don't think it's inherently an idea that doesn't work for Moon Knight. Let yeah. me put it that way. I think it works better than the idea of Moon Knight <laughs> uh fighting a bunch of Egyptian gods. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So it kind of makes me wonder more about some of those nineties Moon Knight comics that are that are kind of a blind spot for me, because I've read some of them. I haven't read the majority of them. I've read a, a small chunk of them, probably at least like ten or fifteen issues or something. But I do remember that Chuck Dixon wrote Moon Knight for a while, and I haven't read all of his issues, just a, a few of them here and there. But I know just from his general output as a writer, he's somebody who has a penchant for writing stories that involve globetrotting adventure and action. Yeah. So I wouldn't be too surprised if he might have done a story where Moon Knight perhaps went back to Egypt for something and, I don't know, probably ended up fighting some more mercenaries or something. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, Chuck Dixon's all about writing action comics. He, yeah. He's like the... The quintessential comic book writer who writes like an 80s action movie. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That was his wheelhouse for sure. Yeah, totally, totally. And and I I say that without, uh, you know, being disrespectful because I I do enjoy some Chuck Dixon comics. Yeah. He's uh he he definitely wrote some fun stuff. So I wouldn't be too surprised if his Moon Knight did some of those kinds of swashbuckling, globe-spanning adventures. That's interesting. I I didn't realize he had written Moon Knight. Uh, when you say he he worked on Moon Knight for a while, was it like a long run? Because I know him for doing the stuff that he's worked on. He tends to write for like a really long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know off the top of my head how many issues he did. I that's something I'd have to look up. But uh, he he was writing it in the '90s, so that probably be right around the time that he was, you know, doing stuff like Robin over at DC. Yeah. And Chuck Dixon had a pretty huge 
like because he wrote a bunch of robin comics and then he wrote a bunch of nightwing comics oh i just looked it up he wrote moon knight issues one through 24 and then came back for issue 34 so yeah he wrote 25 issues that's That's a pretty good run yeah yeah that's a pretty good run definitely a big run by today's standards yeah 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 huh there were some scenes where the the setting did look pretty impressive like there's this one scene where Khonshu blacks out the world and you know on its own it's it's a i thought it was a visually appealing scene just to to watch the night sky as the world gets enveloped enveloped in black mm-hmm. uh i i did also enjoy watching that boat uh in the afterlife as it sails along the the sands um i don't know i'm i'm a sucker for uh flying ships and stuff so (laughs) (laughs) it's the jrpg fan in you yeah 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 right (laughs) so i will compliment those bits of it though those were um those were elements of it that even though i was kind of checked out on on all the other stuff i when when i saw them on a on a boat that flo- uh, floats over the land i stopped what i was reading to look <laughs> up <laughs> and to to uh to take it all in for a little bit <laughs> that is absolutely a back of the blu-ray box quote <laughs> um there was a moment in episode five that made me put down the book I was reading to look at the screen. <laughs> and, and what's it called? There, there's another scene too, where at the end of, I think is it was episode five. Uh, at one point, uh, Stephen Grant sacrifices himself and he falls overboard. And uh, Mark Spector ends up going into... I guess heaven or something, their version of heaven, where he finds peace, and it's just him in this open, open field, and and I thought that was a well uh, directed scene because I I forget what the song was, but the the combination of the music that was playing and just him standing in this golden field, there there was something uh, peaceful and pretty about that scene yeah yeah i agree that the show had some pretty impressive shots of desert landscapes and those were the scenes that that uh visually appealed to me the most also yeah yeah I, i don't know if i could say that they were enough to they weren't yeah <laughs> i'll say it for you right now because i i honestly believe they weren't enough to save the show because they're they're just not you know yeah but it's it's something that i can acknowledge was something yeah, that i appreciate it yeah but it, it it doesn't by any means make the show yeah yeah yeah. I guess one thing about seeing those desert scapes is that it it is kind of neat to see a Marvel story, an MCU story take place in a different locale, I guess. That's doesn't true. It really, doesn't really That's feel true. like we've seen too much of that. 
it it doesn't really feel like it takes place. Yeah, mo- you're right. Most Marvel stories feel like they end up taking place in New York. Occasionally, you go to Asia. It feels like they go to space more than they do go to other parts of the world. Yeah, they they go, they're, they go to outer space or they go into another dimension. Yeah, they go to Wakanda, uh, but you never see them in Egypt. I guess uh, there were some scenes in The Eternals that took place in the past that had a variety of locations. Yeah, yeah. That might have that might have been about it. Uh, did you have any thoughts on Layla? Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name in the show. Uh, I guess I wasn't... Uh, I, I didn't feel too strongly about her either way. Yeah. She was. Did you wonder why she wasn't Marlene? Marlene? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I did wonder why they changed her name. Well, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess they wanted to introduce. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, this is okay. She eventually becomes the avatar for another uh, for the hippo goddess, and she mm-hmm. becomes. They don't say it in the show, but I looked it up, and she becomes the Scarlet Scarab. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess they wanted to have someone representative of the region so they i don't even know if layla is an existing character i don't think she is i don't think so either yeah i don't think that was a character i had ever heard of but uh yeah her role was was one that in the mythology of uh moon knight was usually played by marlene but they introduced this character of Layla and had her become this Scarlet Scarab. Um, yeah, I I acknowledge that she exists, but <laughs> I can't say that she really added much to it for me uh, either. Yeah, I mean she was fine. Like the actress yeah, I, did a yeah. fine job. I I just can't really say that the character jumped out at me one way or the other yeah. she was just part of the story and i didn't feel strongly about her well i think I, oh go, go ahead. ahead no 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 go ahead yeah i was thinking about uh again going back to your question about why why did they call her layla and not marlene it that that is kind of a head scratching move like maybe yeah. i mean obviously the Layla character in this one isn't a Caucasian lady, uh-huh. uh, you know, like an American person, uh, woman. So maybe Marlene wouldn't have really worked as a as a name. Like that's uh-huh. that's really the uh-huh. only thing I could think of, because the backstory that they gave her up and I mean up until the point where she becomes a superhero, the backstory of her father being the archaeologist uh, scientist that Mark Spector was responsible for killing like that that's you know marlene's backstory yeah so exactly yeah it it is kind of strange to just one of those little minor changes that makes you wonder again yeah. like why did they bother calling this moon knight if they're not even gonna 
if they're gonna basically like adapt a different character from his world but change her name like what's the point of that yeah i don't know yeah you're right it's a head scratcher um yeah uh i i think for me it, it all goes back to what we were saying earlier which was i like i think she did a fine job i don't necessarily have anything against the character or the actress but i think she just lost the race before she even started because again the the entire setup for the character was that they wanted to tie her into the egyptian pantheon and create this whole new character and Mm -hmm. for me that that idea is just inherently something that doesn't work or is not inherently something i want to see and <laughs> that being the case yeah i you know she's she's the first stepping stone to the egyptian power rangers or the egyptian <laughs> justice league or whatever you want to call them yeah and i don't want to see that i don't really have any interest in seeing that and that being the case Dude, what if they made a spin-off show featuring all the different Egyptian avatars and they did make them like Power Rangers, but they made it so that they all had Sailor Moon type transformation <laughs> scenes? Well, okay. Well, you you lost me at Power Rangers, but you got me at Sailor Moon. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> if if they were all teenage teenage high school girls who uh transformed into Sailor Scouts, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Led by yeah. Sailor Moon Knight. <laughs> I would be all about that. Yeah. I I encourage that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, did you have any other thoughts? Yeah, there were some other things that I didn't like that I didn't really get super deep into. But, go go yeah so we we did mention the idea of leaning heavily into the egyptian pantheon of gods but here's the other thing that or one of the reasons why i didn't appreciate that it's because when they lean so hard into that and show that these other gods exist and have their own avatars and they interact with the world it that's something that completely removes all of the ambiguity of Khonshu's existence. Because now as the viewer, you recognize him in the story as a real entity who exists and operates and even manifests himself. It's not just in Mark's imagination. He literally operates in the physical world. He's portrayed as a real entity with a pantheon of other gods that he interacts with. And they all have their own avatars. It it takes away from what makes Moon Knight interesting. Going back to some of the Moon Knight comics that we did enjoy. There's a lot of those stories where you get the sense that Moon Knight is talking to Kanchu, But Kanchu might not be real. Moon Knight might just be crazy. Uh-huh. And that's something that makes those comics pretty entertaining and gives them that extra shade of depth because you can't be sure if moon knight has his stuff together mentally you know yeah yeah 
Like I think back about think back to the Charlie Houston run and how he was doing it and, and Mike Benson continued that where Conchu would talk to Mark, but he would take on different forms. Like he would he would look like Bushman and uh, you know, egg him on. And it really gave you this impression of Mark Spector potentially just being a madman, hallucinating this voice. Especially when you would see him go to the statue of Kanchu and and not really get a real response, but when he's in the middle of doing something else, this yeah. this uh, vision that nobody else can see comes to talk to him. You know, it yeah. like that's that's what makes Kanchu an interesting figure because we already know that to some extent he's he's got to be uh, an entity in the Marvel universe because. Mark Spector, Moon Knight's origin involves him essentially dying at the feet of a statue of Kanchu before he is brought back to life. So like there's already like a supernatural element to Kanchu, but because it's left ambiguous, that's what makes it interesting. Like it 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 definitely plays on that idea of having faith in something that isn't necessarily the most visible or apparent thing uh-huh, like he, uh-huh. like Mark Spector in the comics he yeah even though even though he's got that Jewish background even in the comics he worships Kanchu and Kanchu is his god and he willingly serves Kanchu so he's in a way you can say that he is a man of faith he has faith in a power greater than himself. The only thing is that as the reader, we're never really sure whether the object of his faith is worthy of his faith or, you know, or is actually something that exists. So for the show to completely excise that aspect of Kanchu, I, I thought that was a mistake. Like it would have been oh. fine if they had those scenes with Kanchu and where Mark or Steven was talking to him, but they left it so that it was ambiguous whether that was real or not. But by having this whole pantheon and the whole kaiju fight at the end where a giant Kanchu was fighting a giant crocodile lady, yeah. that that was that yeah, I, I wasn't appreciative of that at all. Huh. Could I? I might interject one degree of difference from mm-hmm. you, though, on mm-hmm. on the on the matter, which is, I do think that it's more interesting when he when Kanshu is less manifested, but I don't know. I, I think for me. I think I can accept that Kanshu might be more real than not. But I think where the show loses me is where Kanshu and the and the Egyptian no 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 not the Egyptian pantheon, but I think where the show loses me is where Kanshu becomes real to everybody else. Yeah. That's that's the thing that I don't really accept. Um so in the comics, even if Kanshu is real, Kanshu 
is real enough to Mark that we can tell ourselves, you know, like at the end of the Charlie Houston run, uh, Mark Spector basically gets his life together. And, you know, it, it seems like it's a happy ending. But then he has this discussion with Khonshu and Khonshu basically says that, you know, you you've allowed the world to know who I am. And as a result, I've blessed you because, you know, you are me, you I you you are my avatar. And what is an avatar? But the manifestation of me on this earth. Right. Mm -hmm. So. There's still this sense that. It's ambiguous to us as a reader, but. Even if Kanchu is real, the fact that nobody else believes in him or knows of him, yeah. it makes it that much more menacing, you know? Yeah, 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 that's exactly what I was trying to get at. But you, you explained it or presented it in a clearer fashion. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's the idea that, that nobody else sees what Mark sees, nobody else so yeah, so for for other people, they would just look at Mark and think they would question his sanity. Essentially, is what I'm yeah. saying, and yeah. and that's one of the fascinating things. And I know that there have been comics that kind of definitively show a manifestation of Kanchu for the world to see. Like I think of a recent story. Jason Aaron recently did a story in Avengers called The Age of Kanchu, and it was a story. Did you read that one, Albert? I didn't read it, but you don't have to worry about spoiling yeah. it for me. It's fine. okay. You you you're you're still collecting those issues from I the sure quarterback. Am. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, if if you dig out those issues where he does the Kanchu story, that's a story where where Kanchu. Yeah, there's uh, no questions about it. I yeah. assume that Kanchu is like is a thing. Yeah, yeah. He uses Moon Knight and and commands Moon Knight to obtain more power and. Uh, like artifacts and sources of power so that uh, Khonshu can gain additional resources to protect so Earth Khonshu from can Mephisto. fire lasers at Thor. Yeah. <laughs> well, Khonshu doesn't. Mark beats Thor because Mjolnir is made of moon rock. Are you Uru serious? metal is made of moon rock. <laughs> oh, man. Jason Aaron, dude. I love you. <laughs> There's like a scene where, where Thor throws Mjolnir at him and then Moon Knight <laughs> being empowered with with Khonshu's might, he he recognizes that Uru metal is composed of moon rock. So he has so he can control. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, oh, man. Oh man, Jason Aaron, dude. It's <laughs> funny. Too, like too funny. I mean, I don't I don't know if I genuinely believe that but it's funny you know and like the whole yeah. story is basically it's so Moon Knight. off the wall it's, that... it's super off the wall yeah the whole story is a bit silly and it's just an excuse for some mindless action where moon knight fights and defeats various avengers and obtains their powers like i remember he he beats up iron fist and gets the the iron well, fist yeah part of the dragon <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, I think he he does something to Doctor Strange. I can't remember what he does to Doctor Strange to get his stuff, but uh, yeah. And then there was also uh, the Black Panther fight. So like it's just him going through a gauntlet of various Avengers and related characters who have these powers, so he can collect them and give them to Kanchu. Yeah. 
but it yeah it it just kind of shows that like even that story even though it was zany and so off the wall like it was entertaining it's it's not my favorite kind of Kanchu story, you know, because he's still a real entity who physically manifests himself and all the other Avengers yeah. are witnesses to to him, to Kanchu. Yeah, as a one-off, I can, I guess I can relegate it to to this part of my brain where I'm just like, okay, yeah, it's it's zany enough where I can enjoy it in spite of it, right? Yeah, it's just loud, dumb cape comics. Yeah, but I, I guess in the back of my mind, there is a part of me that, you know, speaking of what we were talking about earlier, but there is a part of me that worries or wonders moving forward, what what other writer is going to take that now that that door is open to do whatever with Moon Knight? And I'm I'm... I'm hoping that that's it. Like nobody else is really going to touch that or go in that direction. And, you know, we get the traditionally more grounded sort of Moon Knight stories. Mm -hmm. But, but with this show, uh, I mean, it being an origin show for, for Moon Knight, it's already established that, this is the direction that they want to go and 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 i'd even say that it wasn't zany enough or entertaining enough to justify it yeah 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 i don't think the show got super zany i I think the show was still trying to play it fairly serious and dramatic yeah yeah for sure for sure Uh another thing about the show that i didn't like was the i guess one of the the themes of the show which seemed to be justice because there was this whole there was a whole lot of talk about balancing the scales right yeah and the way that uh yeah i guess just the way they played it made it seem like justice was this important idea and it, it was also uh played out in how Harrow was trying to I guess whatever he was doing with that other god with the crocodile lady was, was <laughs> <laughs> it was also he they would be able to to stop uh like future future crimes or something right like to stop evil from happening uh before it has a chance to to do anything I'm going to be honest, hearing you describe it, it just made me realize like how little I was paying attention to the show because I didn't <laughs> even know that that's what they were doing. I, I, I was like, oh, I, I just thought they were just trying to free Amit. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I could be wrong, too, because I'll admit there were some points during the series when I was watching it. I, I pulled out my phone and, and, you know, scrolled through Twitter a bit to just look at the news. <laughs> I, I didn't straight up pull out a comic book and and start reading stuff though so I, I i did try to avoid that but yeah there were some points when i i just couldn't you pay were attention. more committed to it than i was <laughs> well, yeah i know it was for the podcast so i just felt obligated yeah. like if yeah. we weren't doing this podcast i probably would have just quit watching after the second or third episode see what we do for you people <laughs> all we want in return is that you love us yeah <laughs> 
But yeah, well, the, yeah, if we think of one of the themes of the show as justice and an ex- how it examines the concept of justice, it it feels like that works against one of the core themes of Moon Knight because yeah. I would say vengeance is one of his core tenets. Yeah. And Moon Knight works best when he's a violent danger who destroys relationships because of his obsession. Yeah. But this show tried to be a character study of someone who wants to achieve justice and yeah. inner peace. And a lot, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that's just not Moon Knight. Yeah. It, it, it all just goes back to the conception I already have of the Moon Knight character. And this show just doesn't doesn't really line up closely with it. Yeah. It's kind of what we were talking about with uh, Black Widow, where we kind of have this idea. When we did our Black Widow movie review, we were talking about how we had this idea of what Black Widow is. And it feels like they wanted to sanitize Moon Knight in order, you know, in order to make him more appealing to the the general public yeah. when... At his core, he's not supposed to be this appealing character because, you know, Moon Knight is best when he's venging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's somebody who ruins the lives of the people he cares about. And it's not because of some malicious intent or even because he doesn't care about them. He's doing his best and just by proximity to him yeah those people are gonna suffer regardless yeah. because that's just how his life is yeah yeah so, that's a good yeah way to so put it. It, it feels like that element was missing from the show and it, it just it, it's just not an enjoyable portrayal of moon Knight, man yeah and now that you know i'm listening to you and i'm thinking about it like it's it's an indictment on the idea of vengeance too if you think about it, because if you really look at the concept of vengeance and just think about how corrosive it is and how destructive it is, is it any wonder that a character who is the avatar for, you know, the god of vengeance, like, is it any wonder that this guy would be so destructive to all of the people around him? Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. It, it only makes sense that he it, it's like you said it, it only makes sense that all of the people that just by their proximity would just be devastated by his actions yeah 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 i would have been emotionally invested in a show that did something like that but instead it, it's more just of a more of just a swashbuckling adventure combined with i guess some internal psychoanalysis stuff yeah yeah it it misses the mark yeah Uh. here's a another question for you about the show albert but what you got tell me what is this show actually about maybe from a thematic level or conceptual level or was there any even any subtext that stood out to you to give you anything to think about or or digest after watching it? 
Uh, if I had to be perfectly honest, I I think initially it all just felt kind of surface levelly to me. I didn't really pick up anything. Uh, I think the one thought I had early on was that they were they might have been making they might be establishing something with all of uh the gods that they were working with uh i feel like in this phase of marvel they've been doing a lot of different things with uh various pantheons of gods from all different cultures and i don't know what exactly it is that they're doing i can't say that conceptually it's something that i'm super into um what yeah, if they're if, all just gonna be fodder for gore I, I i can be fine with that i don't think that's what we're gonna see but i would in fact that might be my preferred my uh hope for what happens <laughs> but again like i said i don't think that's what we're gonna see um there's a part of me that is just curious enough to know i don't know if i no i definitely don't want to watch a bunch of the mcu shows and movies in order to find out i I think if i could find out exactly what they're trying to establish with the uh introduction of all these mythological gods if i can just find out in like a couple of sentences on wikipedia <laughs> i would prefer that by far but, but you don't want to watch three more disney plus series and two more movies to find out what the end game is uh not for that particular aspect of it i don't yeah i can't say i can't say that that excites me as an <laughs> idea um yeah like it thinking about it in terms of uh like what we saw with tao lo and knowing that tao lo is where the oriental gods are (laughs) (laughs) he Uh, can say that because he's asian yes let me clarify (laughs) in marvel comics that's where the asian gods are from uh and and uh i'm pretty sure we see the olympians and uh love and in the next thor movie uh and you know thinking about the eternals and and uh you know what they have to say about mythol uh, mythological gods uh like i feel like it's not a coincidence that we're we're seeing all these uh different beings uh appear in, in the marvel cinematic universe but yeah, I got I got other than that, I can't really think of any well they might be saying something about uh mental health uh but I can't for the life of me uh articulate what exactly they were trying to say about mental health and trauma other than mental health and trauma are a bad thing uh well mental health it's something to mental health 
in and of itself isn't a bad thing unless well, yeah. it's unhealthy. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I meant trauma, I guess. Uh, yeah. Specifically is a bad thing. But for all I know, they could be making an argument for the opposite that trauma could be a good thing because we got Moon Knight because he <laughs> had a traumatic childhood. So maybe the lesson here is that for every child that has mental trauma, it's just another superhero in the waiting. So that, there we go. Yeah. You have <laughs> learned the lesson that they probably wanted you to learn. Exactly. For every child that has a debilitating mental disorder, there's a superhero waiting on the other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> so if we want more heroes in our world, in our society, we just have to traumatize more children. Exactly. <laughs> uh, life is good. <laughs> Anything else, Drew? Yeah, I was trying to think about what this show was about in terms of like maybe either an ultimate message or at least different ideas that we could kind of examine or sink our teeth into, but nothing really came to mind. Yeah, I think it might be a case where the show is just so middling and uh, uninteresting for us that we just can't muster the energy to analyze it for any significance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, like I, f- I felt like overall that was a pretty middling MCU movie, uh-huh. but it still gave us some things to talk about. Like there were still some ideas in there that felt worthwhile to explore and discuss. Uh-huh, Whereas uh-huh. something like this, it it really doesn't feel like there's anything, or I'm yeah. just grasping for things and I'm not finding them. But yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe it is a, a matter of just us not really enjoying it enough to be able to find yeah. meat on the bone. I and so. the other thing I will say, like on that note, is. I don't think this was an especially long uh, series, but the funny thing is, I still think it might have been too long for what it was. Yeah, it felt long to me. Like, yeah, I think back to my experience watching it. I watched the first episode the week it came out. Yeah. And then after watching the first episode, I I had a feeling that I wasn't going to like it. Because uh-huh. just the way that they portrayed Moon Knight, it made me think, yeah, I don't I don't think this is my ideal portrayal or my ideal conception of who and what Moon Knight is and what he represents. But I'm intrigued enough to continue watching it. Plus, we had to watch it for the podcast. Uh-huh. So a couple weeks later, I watched episode two. And that episode made me think, don't think I like this. <laughs> then when I watched episode three, I was like, man, I don't like this. I believe your words were, I actively hate this. <laughs> I think that was when I watched episode four. Oh, right. Yeah, it progressively, like with each episode I watched, I think my feelings of negativity continued to increase. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, I remember I was texting uh, you and Shanus about it, and he had already finished watching it. And I think he said that, uh, just wait, he said something, like, I think I was on episode four, and I said something about actively hating it now. And then he said, just wait until you get to episode six. But the way he said it, he gave me this impression, or I, I guess maybe I, or maybe I misunderstood him. I thought it meant that it was going to get better, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the last episode either. Yeah, I think he said, my impression of what he said was there was something funny in episode six, but yeah. I don't really know what he was referring to. Like when, once I got there, I, I didn't really know what, what was supposed to be funny. Uh, I guess it was funny watching a gigantic Khonshu fight alligator or crocodile lady next to a pyramid. Like that's yes. that's not something that I imagined seeing in Moon Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Like I think oddly enough I think if they had just made it a movie Maybe it wouldn't – it still probably would have been a bad movie because it still would have been committed to these ideas that, you know, these ideas that are inherently bad for Moon Knight. But, but at least it would have been shorter. It would have been shorter, and it might have been a tighter experience and more streamlined, you know? Because yeah. I, I, I really don't know if this needed to be six episodes. Yeah, it yeah. it certainly felt like a long time, and I didn't even binge it. I I watched it over a period of weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I, I knew I had to spread it out because after that first, after the second episode, I definitely felt like, yeah, I couldn't just watch them all back to back to back or anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a shame because Moon Knight's a character that we both have appreciation for and. Mhm. You know, to to have this be the show that we got, it's uh it stings. It stings. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if I didn't have as much love for Moon Knight as I do, maybe it wouldn't bug me as much, but yeah, I I do hate this show. <laughs> uh, well, there we go. <laughs> Here's Put a, that on your Blu-ray box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another question though about the show, but did you want the did you think that they should have had more connections to the wider MCU? Uh no. I yeah, I mean I don't think I'm generally uh I I don't think I'm generally an advocate for that. Uh, I, I think when it works and it's organic, I, I appreciate it, but I don't, I've never been the kind of person who felt like I needed to have it, you know, to have these things be laid in absolutely certain terms that, hey, these guys exist in the same world as the Marvel Universe or whatever, <laughs> like, I I'm more concerned with just whatever the the quality of the final product is. Mm-hmm. Did you want that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, there we go. <laughs> what, 
about moving forward though? Like, do you see Moon Knight fitting in with the rest of the MCU, and and how so? Like, where where do you see him fitting in? Uh, truth be told, now that you you mentioned that Jason Aaron story, I I feel like any future version of Moon Knight will be closer to that Jason Aaron. Moon Knight story that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it'll be more like that than it will be like the Moon Knight that we do know. Um, yeah, I, I, I just feel like this mini series was the one opportunity that they had to introduce Moon Knight to the larger world, to the world uh, at large, and by firmly grounding it by by making a firm statement that this is our vision of what moon knight is they've they've already established that that's the direction that they're going to go moving forward um the the show did end with the revelation that there was a third aspect to mark specter's personality one that we had not seen previously and that was jake lockley did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. was... Uh, they even had him be a driver in that last scene, which I guess is true to the comics, since yeah. he was a taxi taxi cab driver. Yeah. And... Uh, it was sort of implied that though some of the other scenes... I think specifically the scene at the f- during the final battle when Moon Knight is fighting Harrow in the last episode uh-huh. there's a, a period when he kind of blacks out before waking up and he he's like basically harrow has the upper hand and then moon knight blacks out and then the next thing he knows the tables are turned like he's beat beat him up beaten up harrow yeah no yeah. i think that was supposed to imply that was when right, jake right. lockley took over when right, right. both mark and steven were kind of helpless yeah yeah and uh yeah and so the the episode ends with Khonshu. So the deal that they make with Khonshu is that Khonshu is, you know, in order for Mark Spector and Steve Grant to, you know, do whatever they're going to do for Khonshu, in return, Khonshu has to leave uh, their life altogether so that, you know, he no longer uses them as the avatar. But... The twist at the end in the post credit scene is is that, yeah, again, there's this third personality that neither Stephen Grant or Mark Spector were aware of. And that's just kind of the note that the series ends on. So it's yeah, a question he's, of... He's still working with Conchu and he kills Harrow. Yeah, he's still... They're still his avatar on some level. So Yeah. So that's the, I guess the tease for whatever is going to happen moving forward. But yeah, I I thought as far as mid credits or end credit scenes go, that was pretty unsatisfying one. Yeah. Just one of those things where they introduce something like that at the very end. And Uh uh it's not something that instead of it, like without that scene, I I felt like the show, the story would have had closure, but like introducing that scene just opens up the door again, you know? Like it, it's just like, oh man, there's yeah. more. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> it, it, it gets kind of tiresome. And I, I understand the idea of doing these little teasers to get people interested in what's next or excited for the possibilities. But that really didn't do it for me. It, it just annoyed me even more. It, it made me feel extremely unsatisfied just from a base storytelling level. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, back to your question, original question of like the future of Moon Knight, um, you know, I think it's tied into what I was saying earlier, which was we've got all these other uh, gods being introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's another thing. I I imagine there's going to be some of that that's tied into. So that might be whatever they've got planned. Uh, you know, we might see Moon Knight have some involvement in that mm-hmm. as well. But I don't know. None of the prospects really seem too appealing as of right now. Uh, I see. I think the only thing that worked for me is if they just tear it down and just <laughs> rebring, you know, reintroduce him in a, in a just kind of a back to basics kind of uh, uh, back to basics kind of approach on the character, but yeah, we're, I'm, I'm, I know we're not getting into that. Yeah, most likely not. Yeah. You know what I would want to see? What's that? I would want to see Moon Knight fight Apocalypse because then we can see <laughs> Oscar Isaac playing Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, and Apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, that would truly be a fractured psyche right there. <laughs> yeah, man. And it, it would it could be some multiverse stuff, man, because uh Apocalypse from the X-Men movies. That was that was a pretty bad movie, but Oscar Isaac hammed it up in that one, from what I remember. <laughs> did you ever watch that movie? I did watch it. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Apocalypse is Egyptian. There we go. Who are some other Egyptian characters that Moon Knight can fight, man? I was trying to think of that, and I got, I got a time. few. What, what else you got? Shadow King. Okay, Shadow King. X-Men villain. Okay. Know? I also have the living monolith. Okay. Remember him? Vaguely. He's another X-Men villain. I think he, I think he likes it when Havoc shoots him, then he absorbs those blasts, and then becomes a giant or something like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, that'd be funny if that was the entirety of his motivation in the comics. <laughs> it's just like I I don't want money or anything. I, I just want Havoc to shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing that that I thought would have been funny, but I was kind of uh bracing myself for it uh-huh. as a as like a end credits kind of scene, but you know how they're they're bringing in Kang as this new major villain in the MCU. I was wondering if they were gonna have Rama Tut yeah. in in this story because he's Egyptian. Huh. Yeah. Or he, <laughs> well, I don't know if Kang is Egyptian, but Rama Tut is a pharaoh, so right. <laughs> he assumed the role of an Egyptian. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I yeah, I can't really think of any other Egyptian themed or Egyptian villains. Yeah. At least in Marvel comics. Three of those four that I just mentioned, they're all X Men villains, so who knows, maybe we'll see them someday. Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know I would, if I'm. I would love to see a live-action living monolith. Imagine what they would do with him, because it doesn't ever feel like they've done anything significant with him in the comics. I don't even remember what the guy looks like. He just looks like a giant. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how else to describe him. He's he just looks like a giant because his power is. is to just get getting, giant. He gets really big. He doesn't wear a lot of clothes, which is kind of scary. You see a lot of his naked body. <laughs> you know, just imagine a giant man who is wearing like a one-piece swimsuit. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, uh, sounds That's pretty, pretty terrifying. Sp- yeah, it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> that could be a pretty horrifying movie if they ever brought him into the MCU. <laughs> you fought Thanos? Now, fight a giant naked man in a swimsuit. Yeah. <laughs> swimsuit. <laughs> uh, well, you got anything else? Nope. I don't think there's a whole lot much more left to say about Moon Knight. I think we have properly exhausted all of our thoughts on this series, on this bad series. Yeah. Yeah. So, we hope that you've enjoyed our regurgitations. <laughs> If you have any comments or if you have some insights to provide us that you feel like could give us some appreciate appreciation for this show that we're missing, uh, you know, feel free to hit us up on Instagram at between the gutters. You can email us at between the gutters podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at between the gutters podcast. Please like the episode on whatever uh, platform you're listening to us on and uh, share and subscribe let us know uh we appreciate your your listening to us all right thanks everybody this is between the gutters signing off peace out bye guys